So let's jump in this morning to the Word. Are you ready for this? If you can, you can do this two different ways. You can follow along in your Bible, whatever kind of Bible it is. It might be digital. It might be leather. It might be something else. Um, but I encourage you this morning to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to begin there. Are you ready this morning? Yes. You know, for me, life is... One of those things, when I came to Christ in 1985, when I came to him, and I use myself a lot as an example of things that I share, and I do that simply because I can tell my story better than most, any, well, a lot of you can tell it as well as me now, but, but I can tell it, I think, better than most. And, um, but when I came to Christ, he changed me. He changed me. He changed the focus of my attention. He changed, uh, in fact, we sang about our intent, the intent that we have, what we see with intent. But he changed me. He changed what I wanted. He changed what I didn't want. He changed where I wanted to go. He changed where I didn't want to go. Funny thing is, he changed that without giving me a list. He never sent me a letter. And he said, this is what it's going to look like now. Never signed a contract. <laughs> never sat in a room with him with an attorney, make sure that we both agreed on the same points. But he changed me. And it began a journey for me where every single day was something new. I woke up one morning, and this, these things were still a part of my life. I woke up the next morning, and suddenly I realized that some things weren't a part of my life, but other more glorious things were. And I began to see how he began to rearrange my mind. He began to rearrange my passions and he began to rearrange my heart. And many of you that are in this room right now, you can identify with exactly what I'm saying. But in the middle of all of that change, there were times that I wasn't sure, is this his change or is this just me? Is this a moment or will this be a lifetime? Point being, no matter what that change looked like, when I met Christ, when I received Christ, he began to make me into something more than I could have ever been without Him. Would that be true of you as well? There are people that are under the sound of my voice this morning, whether you're in this room or you're watching online. There are people that are hearing me talk this morning. You're hearing me if you're listening to the podcast, whenever it might be, but you are hearing me. And you're not sure whether or not He's changed you. I want to encourage you in this way before we dive into this well-pleased message. I want to encourage you in this way. If you get up every day and you begin to try to bullet point all the things that you've done perfectly well on one side, and then you bullet point all the things that you have not done perfectly well on the other side, and then you get to the end of that and like a balance or like a budget, you subtract the bad from the good, you're hoping that you, and you, you hope that you have a positive outcome. If you measure whether or not you are in relationship with Christ based on that, you're in religion. If, when you get up every single day, and you lift up your voice and you recognize that God is working in you through His Son, Jesus Christ, that Yahweh loves you with all of His heart, His soul, and His being, that He has a plan and He has a purpose for you, 
And then he's laid these things out. And if when you get up every single day and when you lie your head down every single night, when you find yourself moving throughout your day, if it isn't about the bullet points of the good and the bullet points of the bad, but it is simply about I'm doing the best I can with what I understand that you've given me right now, then you are honoring him not with religion, but you are honoring him with relationship. He's not looking for your list. He's looking for your willingness. He's not looking for you to make sure that you subtract the good from the bad and come up on the positive side or the negative side. He doesn't want you to measure your life with him based on what the sum total is at the end of a spreadsheet. He wants you to measure your life with him on whether or not you're willing to listen to what he has to say to you. And if he, if he speaks, you are obedient. Now, I can tell you that there's none of us in this room that are perfect. There's none of us that have arrived at the place where every time the Father speaks, we do it exactly the way He wants it to. However, there are people in this room that live their life like this. When they go through their day and they move through their day, they can accept that they're not perfect. But then when the Father speaks to them and they feel like they came up short, somehow all of a sudden they live their life believing, I'm out of relationship with Him because I've failed Him. And they beat themselves up every day and they allow themselves to believe that because I erred, maybe he isn't pleased with me. That isn't the purpose of God for you. He isn't looking for you to do all things perfectly well. He's looking for you to honor him and to look to him to help you do it right when you do it right, to celebrate right and to move through wrong. He's looking for you to trust him to walk with you on a path. He's not looking for a way to judge you, to hold you back, to put you down, to put his thumb on your head and say, shame on you, you pitiful being. He's not looking for a way to do that. What the Father wants to do for every single person in this room today and under the sound of my voice is he wants to raise you up. He wants to raise you up. There used to be a song that we would sing, um, Lord of mercy, no way I'm going to get all the words right, but there's some people in here specifically, Tim and Liz Darnell, that could help me with it. But (laughs) he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. Now that's silly to you, to me, when we think of it now. But the person who wrote that song, the day they wrote that song, wrote that out of the same feeling that you get every time you feel like you have measured yourself as successful in whatever moment you're in. The writer of that song must have thought, you know what, I have been a miserable wretch. I can't do anything right, sort of like Paul. I try to do this and I do that. I try to go there and I end up here. And they must have thought of themselves as this difficult person that it's hard for the Father to be pleased with. And yet they came to a place at some point where they got a revelation. He is not measuring me based on how many rights and wrongs I do. He's measuring me based on whether I love him and my heart is to honor him. And when they came to that revelation, is he brought me out of that miry clay. And then he set my feet on a rock. To stay, not to be moved from, not to be kicked off of, not to be pushed away from. But he placed me in this position of confidence. He somehow put me in this position of peace. And he has placed me somewhere where my confidence is in him. And while I'm standing on this rock, 
While I find myself on this rock, I'm no longer in the pit. While I find myself here, I still may err. I still may miss the mark. I still may go astray this way or that way in my thought or in my doing. But this is what I know. As long as I stand on this rock and I trust Him, as long as I put my faith and my confidence in Him, as long as I come to Him and I say, Father, I recognize my error and I repent, I want to tell you what God will do. He will not kick you off the rock until you become better. He will heal you while you're on the rock. He will redeem you while you remain in that place where He can do His perfect work in you. Did you hear me this morning? So I want to read this morning out of Matthew chapter 3, and I want to begin with verse 13. I want to start with that in this message today titled, Well Pleased. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, and he said, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said this, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I'm going to read this again. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, in order that he might be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, not you by me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I'm going to ask you a question this morning, just rhetorical, but I want you to consider it in your own mind and heart. Does being born of someone automatically mean you are pleasing to them? Just consider it. Does being born of someone automatically mean you are pleasing to them? When I go back to the last, to verse 17 in Matthew 3, he says, Behold, a voice from heaven came and said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So does being born of someone mean that you are automatically, that they are automatically pleased? Because you're born of me, I'm automatically pleased with you. Is that what it means? Now, we would hope that that's what it means. We would hope that I'm going to be pleased, you're going to be pleased, we're going to be pleased with whoever the Father sends to us through, the, through our loins. We would hope that from our seed, who, however that seed came, whether it's through our loins or another, but that one has, came, has come to me, we would hope that we would be pleased, but it's not automatic. It's not automatic. We start that way. I can tell you when all three of my children were born immediately, man, I took them into my arms. I held them. We actually had four children. I held them in my arms, and I was pleased with all of them. When I looked at them, I was pleased with the way they looked. I was pleased with the way they sounded. I was pleased with their first poo-poo, and I was pleased with their first whatever. I was pleased with all of that. I was glad that everything was functioning. I was happy. I was pleased. As time went on, I wasn't so pleased with every function. Every moment, every choice, every decision. Just because someone is born of us does not automatically mean that 
They please us all the time. And yet the father said about Christ when he went and was baptized by John, he said, this is my beloved son. I want everybody. He did that so that everyone could hear it. I want everybody to hear it. I don't want you just to hear it, but I want you to see that I'm, I'm, I'm offering a visitation. There is a visitation before you. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So was this statement made by Yahweh simply because Jesus was his son? Or was there more to it? Did the father say this simply because, man, this is my son. and Oh, man. I just have to be pleased with him no matter what. So I'm just going to tell everybody this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Or was there more to it? Was it how... Maybe Jesus lived that earned this adoration. And then are we capable of drawing the same reaction from Yahweh? How many of us would like to know that in our lives, that at the end of any given day, any given moment, we would hear the Father say, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased, or you are my daughter. When I say son, I'm talking about gender neutral. But if, if, how many of us would like to hear him say about us, you are my child in whom I'm well pleased. What you've done, you've done well, and I'm well pleased. What did Christ do to receive this adoration that we too can do? I want to talk about that this morning. Just for a few moments, not going to take long, but I want to talk about that this morning because I believe at the end of the day, I think it's in all of our hearts to want to live our life and to end every single day with this thought in mind, that if we could hear the audible voice of God, we would hear his audible voice say about us, I'm happy with you. I just want you to know you're living your life in such a way that I am very pleased with you because it will change how you feel about yourself. I remember growing up when... I always, wanted to, I, was, I always wanted to please my parents. That was in my heart. I didn't always please my parents, but I, it was in my heart to always want to please them. So whatever I could do to help garner that pleasing, I would do that. I was never a lazy kid. Um, of course, my mother's watching right now. She might, uh, she might uh, say otherwise. But I was always looking for a way to be pleasing to them. When my father, when I knew that he wanted the garage cleaned, which was all the time because it was always messy. But this is just an example. When I knew my father wanted the garage cleaned, and he was at work, and he worked third shift, and then he would come home, and he would be sleeping all day long. I'd get up on Saturday morning, and I'd go out there, and I'd take everything out of that garage, and I'd clean that garage out because I wanted my dad to get up and see it. But I did not just want my dad to see it. It wasn't good enough that my dad saw it. I was waiting for the moment that my dad would come to me, and he would say, son, did you do that? Now, I realize that we shouldn't do everything to, be, to get a pat on the back. But when you're 10 years old, everything I did was for a pat on the back. <laughs> or a dollar, a dime, a Coke, a Snickers bar. And I went out there and I'd clean that garage out and I would do whatever it took to get that clean. When my, when my dad woke up at 2 or 3 o'clock that afternoon and he'd go out there and he'd see that garage, he'd be proud. He'd say, son, did you do that? Yes, I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing that. It meant a lot to me. There are things that we do in life so that we can please others. There's things that we do in life so that we can please our husbands, our wives. My daughter this past week and son-in-law, uh, Marshall was out of town. He, was, uh, he had a trip he had to take, so he went out of town. But before he went, he needed to mow his grass. 
And this is a very simple story, but he needed his grass mowed. He didn't have time to finish that grass. So my daughter, his wife, said to him, said, I'll take care of that. And he said, no, I don't want you to do it, and, and had a little discourse. I don't want you to do that. You don't need to do that. I'll just do it when I get back. So he left because he didn't have time to do it. But when he came home, well, before he got home, he was already gone. He got on the plane. He was flying away. And my daughter called me. She said, Dad, how do I start the lawnmower? (laughs) Okay, first of all, step away from the engine. (laughs) Make sure the blades are not over your feet. I said, send me a picture of the lawnmower. So she did. I said, what are you doing? She said, Marshall, he wasn't able to finish the lawn, so I want to make sure and cut that grass before he gets back. She wanted to please him. She didn't have to do that. Would Marshall have been unpleased with Alex if he'd have come home and the grass would have been a foot long? (laughs) Chino was saying yes. No, he would not, Chino. (laughs) Chino said, I'm very unpleased when I come home and my wife has not cut the grass. In fact, I expect the oil change too. But when Marshall got home, would he have been unpleased with Alex because she did not cut the grass? Absolutely not. Marshall loves Alex. He doesn't love Alex because she cuts the grass. When he came home and she cut the grass, I don't know what he said to her. I don't know what what, uh, came from that. But I do know this. I know that he was happy that she cut the grass. Now, how do I know that? She was pleased. Or he was pleased. How do I know that? Because when I saw Marshall a couple of days later and he came, one of the first things he told me was, he said, while I was gone, Alex cut the grass. That was on his mind. It mattered to him. It was in him. It was was in his thoughts that, man, I went away and my wife, who is 105 pounds soaking wet, got out there behind a lawnmower that is 105 pounds, no matter how you do it, and she cut that grass. It mattered to him. And he was pleased. Now, Alex did it, not even necessarily to please her husband. She did it because she, certainly, there was a measure in her. I want to honor him. I want to bless him. I want to take some of the burden off of him. I want to help carry the load. He's gone. He's going to be busy. He's going to get back, and he's going to be busy too, and I want to do this. So she did that. It did please her husband. And then her husband was pleased because she did it when he got back. It pleased Alex that she was able to please him. It pleased her, made her feel good that she was able to do this. This is like our life. If you think about that in relationship to the Father, the things that he's asked of us, see, if we're, if we're not careful, and the point I want to make about Alex and Marshall is Alex did not ask Marshall, or Marshall did not say to Alex, you must do this for me to be pleased. Alex was looking for a way to honor my husband. If we live our lives in relationship to the Father, if I'm coming to the Father and I'm saying to him every day, you know what, you've changed my entire life. I want to honor you. I can tell you that if we will move into the day with our mindset on honoring him, he will be pleased with what we're doing. And our goal isn't necessarily so that he says, I'm pleased in you, but our goal is simply to honor him. And the fruit of that, the reward of that is he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child in whom I'm well pleased. You're hearing me this morning. So again, what did Christ do that we can do too? I want to point out three things. First of all, he went. If you're following along in the app, you can take notes under that, that notation. He went to be baptized by John intentionally. 
for you and me, again, I'm going to back up when I came to Christ. I didn't know what all was going to be required of me. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know, even though people tried to help me understand what the rules were, they tried to enforce rules. They tried to make me believe if you break this. Everything about Christianity when I came to Christ, everything about relationship was rule-based. It was law-based. Everything was law-based. So when I came to him, and I'm entering into this new relationship, all I knew to do was I have to press into him the best way that I know how. And I'm going to draw from whatever resources are available to me. And I went about doing what I knew to do as I knew to do it. As he shared something with me, I didn't do things simply because other people in the church world were doing them. I didn't simply say, well, if they're doing that, if they're feeding the poor, then I too must feed the poor. Because if it's not a revelation to me, I'm just feeding people. I'm not honoring anything. I know that's going to be hard for some people to grasp, but you're going to have to. If it's law-based, there's no honor in it. If anything that you do is based on law, there's no honor in that. You can respect the law, but you are not honoring the intent. So I went about. And the first thing that I knew to do was what they did in that particular place where I was. They had some classes that, was, that were there that they offered, and I went. And I would go to those things, and I would begin to draw, and I would begin to learn. And then I would hear what was being said in those classes. And you know what I did? I went to work. And at the time when I got saved, I was working at a chemical plant outside of Texas, or outside of Beaumont, Texas. And I was working in a place called, well, Pasadena. You know where Pas- you've heard of Pasadena. We used to call it Stinkadena because there's so many chemical plants there. And I went to work at this chemical plant, but everything that I was learning, just, just listen to what I'm saying for a second. Everything that I'm learning and everything that I'm drawing out of that class, I went to work every single day. And I couldn't do anything else but share with the people I was working with. I was thinking of Red just this week as I was preparing for this message. I was thinking of this guy named Red. He was really this really skinny, red-headed guy that was, he just was a, a country boy that didn't seem very smart at all, and yet he was. And I remember I was his helper. And I was sent to this job, and when I went to Stinkadina, this particular job was for a Chevron, and... We went in there, and I was his helper, and he was a welder. So he would say to me, Steve, I'm 19 years old, he would say to me, Steve, go get this, go get that, go get the jig lift, whatever it might be. And I would, and I would go get it, and I would bring it to him, and his name was Red. And we would sit there, and we would talk, and, and he would ask me little questions rarely, but he would ask me little questions from time to time about who I was, where I came from, what I did. And I'd always, I would always bring that back to my relationship with Christ. You know, Red, I learned this, this. He was funny because I'd say, Red, you know, I learned this this week. I went to this class that we had at the church, and, and I learned that this is why God loves me. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to do that. I'm, before we leave today, Red is going to be a believer. <laughs> I didn't even know if he was a believer. He might have already been. But, I, well, I found out later, not likely. And, <laughs> and, I, and it was in me, Red. 
This is what I learned about God this week. And I went, and I would just, and I would position myself, and, and whatever opportunity that God gave me, that Yahweh gave me, I would find myself filling in blank spots in that opportunity and answering questions that were very simple. And when it was all said and done, I would walk away and I would get into my car at the end of the day, and I would drive home. It was an hour to my house in Houston, and I would drive to my house, and as I went there, and I'm getting there, and I would think about my, my conversations with Red that day. Think about it when literally at one point we're sitting underneath of this and you've seen them, the, the big, 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 huge reservoirs, tanks that they have out there that are they're massive. I don't know how many thousands of gallons they are, but these massive tanks and we were welding the rebar so that they could pour the concrete for the foundation of this massive tank. I'm laying on my back underneath this thing about six feet in, in the ground in a hole. I'm laying on my back underneath of all of the rebar, covered in this canvas welder's gear. It's 100 degrees in Texas. I'm covered in all of this stuff. He's sitting on top of me, on top of the rebar, and I'm holding with this tool the rebar together so that he could pinpoint weld it. And the whole time we're under there, between every break, he would be getting something out, and I would say something to him. Red, you know, I learned this about God. Well, what does that mean to you, Steve? Well, it means this. And he would allow me to tell him and to share with him, there's something about knowing that when the Father gives us space to move in, let there be a he went in you and me. And when he sends us to the he went place, never underestimate the place where he's sending you. When I think about John the Baptist saying to Christ, you know, listen, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes, to loose your shoes. I'm not even worthy to wash your feet. You should be baptizing me. I should not be baptizing you. And yet Jesus, Scripture says, he went. He said, I need to be baptized by you, do you need to come to me? Let it be so, for thus it is, fill it, full, it is purposed for the fulfilling of righteousness. Jesus Christ went to John. This began to set the stage for the comment that we hear. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. How does this identify with you and me? I want to tell you, you have some moments. You have moments every single day. When he went... Ask yourself a question, is there a going in me? Is there a recognizing in me of every moment he's given me? Is there something in me? Am I restraining myself? What if Christ had said to him, when the Father said, this is what I want you to do, this is going to be part of your purpose. In fact, righteousness cannot be fulfilled unless you go let that guy baptize you. He doesn't think he's worthy of baptize. He thinks he's less than you are. But righteousness cannot be fulfilled unless you go and let him baptize. What if Jesus would have said, I'm not going? What if that scripture had said he didn't go, but he did? First of all, he went to be baptized by John intentionally. It was a choice that he, he made. It wasn't forced, but he went. Out of that, let me speak to you. On your way to hearing, you are my son, you are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased, be willing to go. Be willing to go where you would say, you know what, that's not a place for me. I'm not going there. That's below me. Be willing to go. Secondly, he understood the connection between humility and fulfilled righteousness. 
Man, that's tough sometimes because our pride gets in the way. There are things about all of mankind. There are things about all of us, Chris. There are things in all of us, Marshall. There are things in us that we're just, we, we just think there's no way, man. I, I can't humble myself to that place. John said, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus said, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill our righteousness. We have to be willing to understand the connection between humility and fulfilled righteousness. I've got to be willing to go into this situation. If I want my father, and I do, I want my father to be pleased in me. I'm not worried about the rules. I'm not worried about the law. I'm not worried about the regulations. I'm not even worried about religion. In fact, I need to get that out of my head. I need to get out of my head whether or not I'm religious enough for this or righteous enough for that. And I simply need to say, Father, I hear what you're saying to me. And I'm going to humble myself. Even if I don't understand it, I'm going to step into it. And that is part of humility. Part of humility is stepping into things you don't even understand yet. Being willing to say, you know what, I don't have to be smart enough to enter in. I just have to be willing, and he will make me smart in the middle of it. And then lastly, he accepted that place or hierarchy is less important than purpose. So many faults and failures in the church world today, all around us. Some of you in this room right now, you've been wounded and hurt in the past, Because people put place over purpose. It was more important to them to be the top of the food chain than it was for them to fulfill purpose. But the Father used His only Son to demonstrate to us that fulfilling purpose is more important than place. Which is exactly why, again, He sent Christ to John the Baptist. To a man who would recognize and publicly acknowledge I'm not worthy to be doing what you're asking me to do. You should be baptizing me instead. And he knew that there would be a public statement made in such a way. And because of that, he could allow the person of Christ, who is, if we're going to use top of the food chain terminology, he is the top of the food chain, to be baptized by somebody who wears camel hair, and eats locusts and honey. Bugs. He accepted, Christ accepted that place or hierarchy is less important than purpose. To be well pleased, for the Father to be well pleased in us, there's a shifting that has to take place in all of us. That shifting has to take us outside of the things that we have settled on, that we have believed on. It has to take us outside of pride, outside of arrogance, outside of what we think we know. We have to be willing in every way for the Father to be well pleased in us. We have to be willing in every way to say, Father, you know what? I trust you. And in this moment... The only thing I know is what you're saying to me right now. The only thing I'm hearing is what you're saying to me right now. And if it is different than what I heard a year ago, I'm trusting what I'm hearing right now. If it is different than what I heard this morning, I'm trusting what I'm hearing you say to me right now. Because life with Christ, life in Christ, is not about keeping a journal so that you can refer back to page one ten years ago and say, oh yeah, this is what he told me to do. 
Life in Christ doesn't even require a journal. It simply requires an honoring ear. It simply requires that you and I hear the voice of God, that we trust the voice of God so that He can take us from point A to point B in whatever way He desires. If our heart is for Him to be well pleased, if our heart is for Him to say, you are my son or my daughter in whom I'm well pleased, we've got to be willing to go where He sends us. We've got to be willing to put purpose over place. Don't say... Don't ever allow yourself to say, I'm not getting my hands dirty. Don't ever allow yourself to say, I'm more than that. I'm bigger than that. If we want to hear the voice of God say about us, you are a son in whom I'm well pleased, we need to position ourselves to say, what are you saying, Father? That's what I'm going to do. I think that the, one of the most amazing things about Christ is that in the middle of all that he was, and I know that people might be challenged by what I'm about to say, but while Christ was perfect, he was not without error. You listen to me. He made mistakes. While Jesus was perfect, he was not without error. I'm going to refer back to the Gospels when they went to Jerusalem and they were leaving. His mom and daddy were leaving. Joseph and Mary were leaving. They were headed back home. And they were gone for a few days and they couldn't find their son, which is always bizarre. You've heard me say this before. It's always bizarre to me that it takes a few days before you realize your son is not there, which lets me know that Jesus was not the guy that was always around mom and dad. It was normal to them for him to be absent. He was always at his friend's house, <laughs> whoever they were. But they had gone a few days' journey. And when they got away, they realized he was no longer there. And they went back to find him, and they found him that he was teaching the priests. He was teaching in the synagogue. He was expounding about the things of God. And then the very next scripture in all three of the gospels shares with us, lets us know that then... Because of that, his parents said, where have you been? Do you not know that we would be worried about you? Are you not aware that we're concerned? You weren't with us? And he says, oh, but I was about my father's business. And then the next scripture says, and then he was subject to his mom and dad. And then we never heard from him again for 13 years. 18 years. We never hear another word about Jesus Christ for 18 years. It took 18 years to get out of him. That nature of Adam that was trying to rise up, but it required the leadership of his mom and dad. He had to be subject, and this is my point, he had to be subject to his mom and dad, I am the son of God and you want me to allow you to teach me? Do you not realize I was just teaching the leaders? Yes, but you were in error doing so. You are out of time. You are operating in the truth that you came to deliver, but not at the time you are supposed to deliver it. You're hearing me this morning. So this Christ demonstrated for you and me that in the middle of all of that, Jesus Christ demonstrated to you and me, even with that, 
even in his anger, the moments that he got mad, the moments he went into the temple and he beat the money changers and he took out that whip and probably with a smile began to beat them, probably raised his voice, lifted his voice and shouted at them. The times that he called people names, you whitewashed sepulchers. The times that he, in that rage and in that anger, the times that he wept, not because he lacked faith, but because that human nature that was in him that he had to have in order to identify with you and me. It had to show up because it had to be demonstrated that he could overcome that so that he could get to the place where the Father could say, in you, in this man that has been quiet for 18 years, he had to be raised up in such a way that he understood who he was and when the time was right. You need to hear me this morning. But now he has a voice. And this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because when he needed to be quiet, he learned to be quiet. When he needed to be subject, he learned to be subject to. When it was time to go, he knew it was time to go. If it had not been for the 18 years of silence, there would not have been a Last Supper. If it had not been for Christ being subject to Joseph and Mary for 18 years there would not have been a Jesus wept story over Lazarus. If it had not been for those 18 years of subjection to his mother and father, there would not have been water turned to wine. The wedding of Cana would have been a wedding without wine. Everyone would have been sober. God forbid. (laughs) If it had not been... For him saying, I recognize who I am, I know who I am, I know what I'm called to. But I also know that the most important thing that I can do today is to not to focus on the fact that I'm the son of God in his case or a child of God in our case. It's not to focus on the fact that I'm a child of God. Because if I do that, I put my place in front of my purpose. My purpose isn't child of God. Hear me. My purpose is to hear and obey. And if I hear and obey, the fruit of hearing the voice of God and being obedient to that will produce the child of God he created me to be. So that then he can say, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. Do you hear me today? So I want to wrap this thing up by saying this to you. I want you, I invite you, I challenge you, I encourage you today to live to be someone in whom God is well pleased. I think the big part of this is this. It's hard sometimes because when people come and they'll sit with me too often, they'll sit with me and they will talk about all the reasons why they feel like they're out of sync with the Lord. They'll feel like they're out of place with Him. You just don't understand, Steve. I keep trying to do right and I don't, I don't. I make this choice and then I feel like I'm, all over, I'm starting all over again and all of these things are happening and my response is always the same to everybody who does that. It is this, but are you in every way you know, are you repentive and are you saying to him, Father, I'm coming back to you no matter how many times I've tripped up, no matter how many times I've slipped up, I'm coming back to you and I repent. Are you doing that? Well, yes, I am, but I still feel like he's just tired of me coming to this place and I hear this too many times. I want to tell you something today. Whether you're watching online or you're in this room, 
I want you to know today you're not coming to him too many times. And he is not weary of forgiving you. He's not weary of raising you up. In fact, sometimes you repent of things that don't require repentance. And don't try to sort that out. Just because you don't do something right doesn't always require repentance. Rebellion, disobedience requires repentance. Error is just error. It's, I, I tripped. I fell over this thing. I, should have, I wanted to go this way. I went this way and I fell. I don't want to confuse you with all that right now. But I want you to know this. No matter how many times you've come, no matter how many times you've looked, no matter how many times, too many times we put this pressure on us, we put this weight on us, and the Father isn't about the weight. The Father is about releasing you into His freedom, releasing you into His glory, saying to you, I'm pleased with you. Yeah. I know the error that you made. Yes. I know that you did this or that this happened. I understand all of that. But I also understand this. Every single day you get up, your heart is after me. And I want to tell you this. If every single day you get up and your heart is after the Father, you're going to find that some of those errors you're making, you're going to make less and less and less. But don't count yourself out because there's things in your life that you in your mind say, separate me from God. If you're separated from God in your mind today, I want you to be reconciled to Him. I want you to know that He wants to be pleased with you and He wants you to know that He's pleased with you. Like I said when I was that kid and my dad would get up and he would go out there in that garage and he would see that that garage was clean. My dad was an incredible father. An amazing man. And he was always quick to pat us on the back. He was always quick to build us up. He was always quick to let us know when we did something well. And he'd come out there and, son, did you do this? Yes, sir, I did. Well, we didn't say sir then. Yes, sir, I did. He'd say, I'm so thankful. I didn't want to get to that, whatever it might be, picking the weeds out of the garden. But man, what it did in me, I made my dad happy. It mattered to me when I would sit beside my dad and there was a thousand things going on around me. My dad didn't have to say anything. All he had to do was put his arm around, on my shoulders and I could feel the pleasure in him that I was his son. All he had to do if I was seated beside him and we were driving down the road and he would do this often and I loved this about my dad. I was a grown man and I could ride down the road with my father and I do this to my kids still today and they're grown. And I could drive down the road and my dad would reach over and he would just put his hand up on my shoulder. Man, that sense of man, my dad is, he's proud of me. He's pleased with me. I haven't done everything right. I haven't even always honored. I've cussed him before to his face. But he doesn't hold that against me. He's not looking for the moments that I've kept myself away from him. He's looked at the moments that I have presented myself to him and come to him and said, Dad, I'm sorry. I love you. I want you to know I love you. And he is proud. Man, those moments mattered so much. Some of you, you've never had a dad that has come up to you and put his arm, simply just stood there and put his arm, just this morning, just this morning. I just wanted someone in this house to know, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. So I, I walk right up beside them and I just for a moment put my hand on their shoulder because in my mind I reflect back to my dad, never opening his mouth. But buddy, I'm proud of you. Just this morning I put my arm around somebody, just never said a word. Just so that they could know, I'm proud of you. I love who you are. I love where you are. I love what you're doing. I love who you're becoming. 
There's probably things in your life that are challenging right now. But I'm a father and, and you're a son. And I'm well pleased with who you are. And I know, again, there's people in this room, you don't have a dad that's ever put his arms on your shoulder. You don't know him. Maybe you don't know your dad. Maybe you had a dad that didn't do that. He didn't show emotion. If you're a dad in this room, I encourage you right now, begin to show some. Begin to let your kids know things about what's in your heart that you might not say with your mouth. But you don't have a dad. I want you to know today, you have a father. You matter to Yahweh. And if he matters to you, he literally in every sense of the word, I'm just going to tell you today, wraps his arms around you and says, you are a son, you are a daughter in whom I'm well pleased if you hear my voice and you're obedient to it. Amen? Amen. You walk out of this place today, know this. You are never alone. You are never without. There's something about knowing I'm honoring him and he is wrapping his arms around me. He is putting his hand on my back and he is saying, well done, well done, well done. Stand with me if you would please in this house.